This is the Fathering Project podcast, Figuring It Out Together, where we tackle many challenges facing dads and father figures and explore fathering across all ages, from newborns to toddlers, school age and teenagers. We speak with experts in their fields to help you navigate solutions and positive outcomes for each stage of your fathering journey. Let's figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Katy Gapayar here, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by special guest, Dr. Michael Flood. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing the role of the father in role modeling positive masculinity, as well as what the research says around father involvement in violence prevention. We are really looking forward to this discussion. Dr. Michael Flood is a father of two, an internationally recognized researcher on men, masculinities, and violence prevention. A professor in the School of Justice at the Queensland University of Technology, Michael has made a significant contribution to scholarly and community understanding of men's and boys' involvements in preventing and reducing violence against women and building gender equality. Dr. Flood is also a community educator and trainer with a long involvement in pro-feminist advocacy and education. Michael, welcome and thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. It's great to, uh, great to contribute to the Fathering Project. Fantastic. Now we're keen to jump straight into the questions and hear your expert opinion on the topics. So let me start with asking you, what is your current opinion on the state of fatherhood in Australia? Is it different today to what it was 20 years ago? Look, it certainly is. Look, there's a sense in which fatherhood in Australia is undergoing the best of times and the worst of times. So on the one hand, you've got growing numbers of fathers um, becoming actively involved with their children, um, taking time off work when their children are born and spending time in care, growing numbers of fathers who are um, keen to be involved with children and are involved in the kind of day-to-day nurturance and care of children on the one hand. Um, on the other hand, oh, sorry, and another, another positive of the kind of best of times is, is, is there's a growing expectation, a growing desire among fathers that that's exactly what they will do on the one hand. On the other hand, there's also growing numbers of fathers um, who are withdrawing from fathering or being excluded from fathering involvement. And the circumstances of fathering have in some ways got more challenging with increases in divorce and separation, with uh, work unfriendly work, sorry, with family unfriendly workplaces still, and so on. So there's a sense in which, you know, where I think there's good and bad at the moment in terms of contemporary fathering. Yes. And um, of course, that, um, you know, work, father friendly workplace uh, topic is becoming um, a lot more important. Now we see the conversation has started in that and seeing more change start to happen there, which um, is good. Look, it's barely, it's barely starting to happen, I think. So for example, you know, my sense is that still the discussions about work family balance, the discussions about parental leave are still largely about mothers, about still largely about women's abilities to balance parenting and childcare roles on the one hand and paid work on the other. I think there has been a shift, a shift maybe in the last decade, but it's a 10% shift, not a 100% shift. And there's still little attention, I think, still insufficient attention to the challenges that fathers face in um, being involved parents and um, partic- participating in paid work. Yes, absolutely. Um, but as we were saying, the conversation started and hopefully incremental growth will make a difference over time. 
What, I hope do, so you too. Think, what do you think are the drivers behind any changes to the fatherhood role and the trends that we might see over the next 20 years? Sure. Well, look, one driver, funnily enough, is shifts in women's roles, shifts in women's social situations where the kind of large scale entry of women into paid work in the, you know, the, the last half of the 20th century and women's growing roles in employment and so on have, in a sense, put pressure on their partners, most of whom are men, um, to step up to play greater roles in fathering. Um, so one, one driver is kind of economic shifts in women's roles, women's employment. Another driver is cultural shifts, cultural shifts in expectations of gender and gender roles where the culture of fatherhood in Australia really has shifted. Our images of fathering used to be of the kind of stern authoritarian patriarch coming home from work, sitting, sitting in, sitting on, um, you know, the couch in his, um, with his pipe and his slippers and, you know, occasionally doling out a smack to a kind of wayward child. Whereas our images now are of men cuddling babies and being present at the birth and changing nappies and, you know, pushing kids on the swings at the park and so on. So the culture of fatherhood has shifted. The conduct of fatherhood, our actual behaviour, has shifted less. Um, and there's not been a massive increase in men's involvements in parenting in the last few decades. There's been some increase, but it's not been massive. And that's not because fathers aren't interested or are lazy. It's because the economic and political obstacles to um, parenting involvement are still very much alive. So, you know, I think there's two drivers of shifts in fatherhood. A third driver is growing attention to masculinity growing attention to how we socialise boys and the messages we give boys and men about what it means to be a man. So there's a growing public conversation about toxic masculinity. Now, I don't like that phrase because I think the phrase too often suggests that there's something fundamentally toxic about being a man. And that's not what the phrase is meant to mean. It's meant to name one specific version of how to be that's limiting for men themselves and harmful for others, for women and children. But that growing conversation about masculinity does include a growing conversation about men's roles as fathers and men's contact with children. And of course, about how we raise boys. And I see that as a, a very productive um, development. Um, and as you say, exactly that the typical Aussie dad tends to be seen as very masculine, the strong, silent type, which is probably role modeled by many of our sporting um sporting characters and, and individuals. Is there a connection between masculinity and fatherhood? And is that connection the same across different cultures? Yeah, great question. Just, just before I answer that, just to comment on sporting dads, one thing I've been really pleased to see, again, in the last decade or so, is growing numbers of male sports players, you know, footy players and others, bringing their kids onto the field or onto the, you know, the side of the court and, you know, cuddling their little boy or little girl, you know, as they accept their award or speaking about their parenting and what it means to them as part of reflecting on their roles as elite level sports players. So, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, every male sports player has somehow instantly become an involved dad, but it is, it has been really heartening to see that in fact, a kind of breaking down of, of some of those rigid stereotypes of uninvolved parenting. But you asked about the connection between masculinity and fatherhood, and there's very much a connection. So for example, there are kind of stereotypical ideas about being a man that are still alive and well in Australian culture. The idea that to be a real man is to be strong, to be tough, to be in control, 
to not be involved in caring work or domestic work, to not show vulnerability or empathy and so on. And the evidence is that men who agree more strongly with those qualities, in other words, who agree more strongly with traditional masculinity, are less involved as fathers. In other words, conformity to stereotypical masculinity limits men's fathering. And it makes sense. If you've grown up believing, grown up being told that, you know, you shouldn't play with dolls, you shouldn't express care, you shouldn't be playful or empathetic, then your ability to be a dad and your willingness to be a dad is going to be less so. And so some, some men have found out that to be involved fathers, they have to kind of reject or ignore some of the stereotypical or traditional expectations about manhood that they grew up with. And the younger fathers seem to be doing a lot more of that, as you say. We see a lot younger fathers being more empathetic, more soft, um, you know, picking up their children, hugging them, as you say, with sporting fathers in front of the camera, um, which is fantastic role modelling for others as well. Yeah, that's right. And look, you know, so I think the shifts among fathers themselves, and there's also more cultural permission than there used to be. There's more cultural permission and there's slightly more policy support than there used to be for, you know, for those kinds of things. So it's not only that men themselves are making decisions to be more involved fathers, it's also that there's more, that there's the kind of obstacles, the structural and cultural, cultural obstacles to being an involved father have lessened, have diminished a little bit, not entirely, but have diminished a little bit. Yes. Um, now, I wanted to move to the, one of the areas of expertise, your expertise, which is violence prevention. What does the research say regarding positive father involvement and reduced incidence of violence in the home or in the community? It says those things go together. It says that um, in families and in communities where men are, have a greater involvement with children and particularly a kind of caring and nurturing and non-violent involvement in children, you also get lower levels of domestic and partner violence. In other words, the men who are involved with their kids and care for and nurture their kids are also more likely than the men who don't do that with their kids to be treating their partners with respect, treating those children's mums, if they're a female partner, with respect and care and non-violence and so on. And it's not necessarily that being an involved father turns you into a non-violent man. It may be that it's that men bring to both those things, bring to their fathering and bring to their relationships and marriages, you know, basic attitudes of respect, of care, of non-violence and so on. So the men who are more likely to be involved as parents are also more likely to be treating their children's mums um, with respect and care as well. However, there's some interesting research finding that men who have daughters, for example, can sometimes come to a greater awareness of the sexism, the harassment, the violence that girls and women often have to put up with on a daily basis. So interestingly, having daughters can be one source of being sensitised to the issue of violence. And the other thing I should say is that um, so fathers can be, you know, very positive influences in their families, but so can other men. So can men who are uncles or brothers or granddads. And the research, you know, there's growing research not only on men who are biological fathers to their children, but also on stepfathers and, um, you know, uh, other men playing caring or nurturing roles with children. And what the evidence tells us is that all those men, biological fathers, stepfathers, other men, all can play positive roles in families and among their children. Uh, Michael, there is some research that shows that um, when a man uh, sees himself as a father, 
he is less likely to resort to um, domestic violence. Um, what what is drawn from that? What can we draw from that? You look, I think it's about the kinds of investments in parenting you have. And I remember a really interesting piece of research that was trying to persuade men who were using violence, men in the community who were using violence against their female partners, to ring a phone line, to seek help for their violent behaviour. And the various messages were tested. One message, this was called the Freedom from Fear campaign, and this was a big social media campaign, sorry, social marketing campaign in, in Western Australia. And that first tested among a focus group of men who were using violence, whether it worked, whether it would persuade them to reach out and make this phone call if they were more aware of the impact of their violence on their female partners. And the people testing these messages also tested, did it have an impact to show them the impact of their violence on their children. And what was really interesting was that that had a greater impact. It was more effective to reach out to these men if you could show them that the violence they were perpetrating against their female partners or ex-partners, uh, if you could show them the impact it was having on their children, the, the kind of child cowering in fear in the back street or kind of, sorry, in, in the back seat of the car and so on. So in other words, for some men who are using violence already, it's realizing the impact of that violence on their children that is motivating. It's kind of depressing that for some men, you know, it, it had less impact to highlight them the impact of their violence on the partners themselves. But nevertheless, for, you know, it, it was encouraging that it was motivating for those men. And for men in general, non-violent men who were the majority of men, I think being invested in your role as a father, as someone who plays a significant role in your children's lives, that can be powerful in then motivating you to be a positive influence, to be a positive influence directly on your children and a positive influence in terms of how you treat their mothers, how you kind of role model respect and care and nonviolence in your day-to-day -day, um, treatment of your wife or your girlfriend and, um, and your children. Yeah, a few years ago, Michael, I came across a virtual reality program that um, when you were in it, you were placed as the child in a domestic violence situation. And it was incredibly powerful to perpetrators and also victims to see how the children who are the victims of domestic violence, of course, feel when something happens around them. And um, it was very effective in, in, in getting through and engaging men who do use domestic violence. Indeed. Now, look, it's it's not a it's not a magic bullet, I would say, because unfortunately, you know, if we're focused on the dynamics of domestic violence, for example, some men who use violence against their female partners very deliberately also use children as a tool of power, a tool of control, threatening to do violence against children, threatening to have children taken away from mothers, manipulating family court processes, um, harming children as a way of uh, gaining revenge on partners and so on. Now, this is really ugly dynamics to talk about, but we have to acknowledge that fathering itself can be part of a dynamic of domestic violence. Now, I should hasten to add the vast majority of men don't use violence against children, don't use violence against their against their men play positive roles in fathering, but we have to acknowledge that adult women, they may also be using violence or other forms of coercion or control against children as part of those destructive dynamics. Yeah, thank you um, for clarifying that. Now, earlier on, you were talking about um, 
fathers who have daughters versus sons. I just wanted to ask the next question. Is a father's role in violence prevention different with sons versus their daughters? Look, it really is. And I think it's, um, if we think about the role that parents have played in trying to prevent perpetration or victimization, trying to prevent either the use of violence or being subjected to violence, I think many parents have put much more energy into preventing victimization, preventing their children and particularly their daughters from being subject to violence. So parents, you know, warning their their um, you know their teenage girls about you know um, where they go or about you know drinking alcohol or watching out for predatory men or being careful about how they dress and so on. And parents in general have put far less energy into encouraging their boys and young men to treat others with respect and care. So in other words, they've spent more time, to put it very bluntly, teaching girls how not to get raped than they have teaching boys how not to rape. Now, of course, boys themselves can also be the victims of rape, of sexual assault and so on. But there's been less attention to boys than girls in this regard. And what I would say is that fathers can play an absolutely vital role in preventing both victimization and perpetration among their sons and daughters and other children. So with sons, for example, I think fathers have a particularly important role to play in talking to sons about you know, treating their girlfriends or indeed their boyfriends with respect and care, modeling um, consent and respect and so on in their relations with um, with those boys' mothers, you know, showing those boys, you know, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. Talking explicitly about sexual consent, about always making sure that the girl you're with or the guy you're with is happy with what you're doing, you know. And I'm thinking here about conversations with 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds. With younger boys, the conversations are different. With younger boys, they're much more general conversations about respect, about care, about, you know, not being mean to your sister, for example. And I say this as someone who's got a 17-year-old son and a 12-year-old daughter. And so these are live conversations in my household about encouraging both of them to treat each other with respect. And certainly with the with my older child, um, conversations about sexual consent, about um, healthy relationships and so on. And I think fathers have a particularly vital role to play for a few reasons. One is that it's often mothers who do that. It's more often mothers than fathers that have conversations about sex, about relationships with, with either child. And that's, that's a shame because fathers can play key roles in that. And second, um, there's some evidence that fathers tend to be more conservative in gender terms than mothers, more kind of hostile to their to their children breaking out of gender boundaries, particularly their sons breaking out of gender boundaries. And that can actually feed into violence in some ways. If we teach our sons that they must be kind of rigidly masculine, they must avoid showing weakness or vulnerability, they definitely shouldn't be gay or hang out with gay people and so on, then we can feed into the kinds of attitudes, the kinds of sexist and traditionally masculine attitudes that can then down the track feed into those boys using domestic or sexual violence or indeed you know being violent to you know people that perceive as different or less than them so fathers have all kinds of positive roles to play modeling respect in their day-to-day relationships with their mothers with their children and of course not using violence themselves um just to tell a, a brief anecdote i was at um i was in the local supermarket uh when was it last Sunday? And I was walking down one of the aisles and passed this dad with about three kids. 
And his daughter, who was looked to be about 10, was kind of climbing up on one of the shelves, you know, doing something that she shouldn't have been. But he grabbed her really roughly. He grabbed her by her arm and kind of ripped her off the shelf, you know, jerked her roughly off the shelf um, and was kind of, you know, speaking to her in a really kind of aggressive way. Um, and I was just walking past and saw this happening kind of instantly as I walked past. And without really thinking about it, I just said, gentle, mate, gentle. Um, you know, I just walked past and said, gentle, um, and, you know, kept going. And he, he then said to me, what did you say? And I said, and I stopped and looked back at him and he'd stopped kind of, you know, being really physically rough with his daughter. And I said, all I said was gentle, mate, that's all. And he kind of looked at me, didn't say anything. I looked at him and then I just kept walking. And, you know, I had really mixed feelings about what I'd done afterwards. I felt good about, in a sense, just giving him the message you don't need to do that. You don't need to be rough with your daughter. Yes, she was doing a stupid thing. Yes, you need to stop her, you know, damaging the shelves, but you don't need to hurt her arm. You don't need to be rough. And I said that knowing that I've done exactly the same thing. And there's times when, particularly when I had younger kids, I was absolutely exhausted. I was sleep deprived. I was incredibly frustrated with that behavior. And I raised my voice more than I should. Or I sometimes grabbed a child by their upper arm, just like he had, more roughly than I should have, and felt terrible about it afterwards. And so I suppose I was just trying to say to him, be gentle. You know, you don't need to use violence to do that. But I felt bad about it too, because I also felt like saying to him, mate, I've been there. I've been exactly there. I know how hard parenting can be. Of course, it's easy to behave like that. None of us want to do that. We all want to be better than that. Let's try to be better than that. I kind of wanted to be more empathetic with him than I had just walking past and saying gentle, but I still hoped that, you know, it had some positive impact on him. And so to come back to my point, fathers have a, have a vital role to play in how we parent ourselves, you know, and how we model respect and care, you know, with our kids, not using physical violence against them, not spanking them, um, you know, using using non-violent forms of dis discipline in other words trying to be um what they what they call authoritative parents rather than authoritarian parents so setting good boundaries rather than using violence and the threat of violence as a way to try to shape our kids behavior yeah absolutely i think we've come across um parents mothers and fathers actually who um you know in a moment of distress are um you know behave in a way that we think we may not have though we probably did um, yeah, i've certainly done it yeah absolutely exactly. and it's very difficult to know what to say so yeah thank you for sharing that anecdote now Look, i don't know if it was a good intervention at all you know it wasn't terrible i didn't shout at him i didn't insult him i didn't threaten violence against him you know which would be totally hypocritical um, but yeah, look, I, I would have liked to have a longer conversation, but he might have, you know, having first intervened, he might have just wanted me to piss off. And he might have felt embarrassed too. I've felt embarrassed in front of my children when I've behaved in ways that, you know, fall short of my values, fall short of the, the values I try to teach them. And so, you know, for something, part of what may have been going, for, going on for him is a kind of shame at having behaved in this way that he himself doesn't endorse. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's um, end on some practical takeaway tips for our listeners. What are three key things fathers can say or do to ensure their children grow up to be respectful and accepting of people of any gender? Wow, great question. Um, look, I would say walk the walk um, is the first one. And, and that comes, you know, straight, straight out of my acknowledgement of the times I've behaved poorly and, you know, seeing dads when, seeing times when other dads have also fallen short 
of the values we all support. So I'd say walk the walk, you know, take seriously those values of non-violence, that's the absolute bottom line, um, values of respect, of equality, and try to live them. Try to live them in your everyday life, in how you treat your partner, if you have a partner, in how you treat your children. And of course, we will fall short of those at times, but we can try to reach a higher standard. And part of that really is raising the bar for what it means to be a good dad. A good dad is not just someone who turns up occasionally. A good dad, um, you know, to the extent they have contact with their children, really tries to be a nurturing, positive, um, respectful uh, influence on their lives. So walk the walk. Second thing I would say is, let's think, um, do your share. Do your share. Actually try to pull your weight. And again, I say this as someone who, you know, I, I've now separated from my partner, but I lived with my partner for well, we were together for 19 years and we had, you know, those difficult conversations that parents sometimes have about our domestic divisions of labour. But I think, you know, by the, by the sort of, by the sort of second half of our relationship, that's fair, but that took work. So I think doing your share is important as well. And that's an important way to model to your children um, basic respect and equality. And it feeds into then broader support for equality and respect, which I think, um, sets them up well for their own healthy relationships and families. And the last thing I would say is talk about um, talk about gender. Talk about gender with your kids. So, for example, I talk with my 17-year-old about porn. Um, and I know that he's looked at porn sometimes. I know that, you know, virtually every boy or young man will encounter porn. And so I try to talk about some of the, um, not only the unrealistic, but the sexist, the kind of, sleazy and sexist messages that are so common in pornography and the really unhelpful and damaging messages about sex, about women, about bodies that pornography often teaches. And they're not conversations that he relishes. He doesn't say, dad, I'd really love to have a long conversation with you about porn. Well, we do, you know, sometimes he welcomes them, but try to have those conversations with my 12 year old, um, you know, they're different conversations. We're talking about all kinds of things about gender identity, about sexual diversity. And this is sometimes coming from them as much as from me, but also about respect, about what a healthy relationship looks like and so on. So I think um, talking about um, consent, about nonviolence, about respectful and healthy relationships is a third key thing that fathers can do. Um, those are great tips. Thank you very much for that, Michael. Um, your expertise has been incredible to us and our listeners. It's been great discussion and so incredibly important for us to hear the research as well as the anecdotal evidence and your thoughts. Fathers and father figures play a key role in this space and in shaping their children's lives, boys and girls. And, and all of this is a great reminder of how they need to um, behave themselves and role model themselves to, um, you know, create the, the world they want their children to live in. Listeners, as we mentioned, Michael has incredible expertise in this space. Something that might be of particular interest is his recent work on the Man Box study. The link to this will be up on the Fathering channel. Thanks again, Michael, and we hope to have you back again soon. My pleasure. Look, the thing I'd say is fathers shape their children. We shape our children, and in doing that, we can shape a world, a better world for everybody. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Fathering First podcast. If you like what you're hearing and want to give us some love, share it with your friends and leave a review on your preferred podcast app. If you're feeling extra generous, you can also donate to help us continue to change children's lives through fathering. The link is in the description.
Thank you in advance. The content doesn't stop here. If you're looking for more support between episodes, check out the Fathering channel at thefatheringproject.org forward slash fathering dash channel for all your fathering resources.